It's part of American politics. We love our polls. From local races to the national stage of the 2024 presidential election, Matt Towery and Robert Cahaley are churning the data so you can stay informed. This is Polling Plus. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Towery with the Bowtie Win himself, Robert Cahaley, and this is another edition of Polling Plus. Happy New Year, Robert. Happy New Year. You sound oh so excited about the new year. Come on, give me some. You know, I really on. am. I mean, I, I feel <laughs> like this this new year is going to be. Um, you know, I heard a term used the other day, and it's post normalcy, and I think I like it because we are in a post normalcy period, and I mean, it really isn't anything is possible period, and I, so much of. How this country is going to—it's it, such a crossroads. How it goes after this year is going to—it's going to make all the difference in the world of what direction we go. And so, you I, know, I, it's interesting you say that because it matters. I, a lot of times, almost every election, they say this is the most important election of your lifetime. And I think, ah, oh, what a cliche! It's not the most. They're all important. They're all the most important. But this one really is going to be, it's going to determine what direction the country goes for, I think, decades to come. And um, I'm not talking just about the presidential race, Senate, House, all of it. Um, I guess we ought to start and, and recognize the big thing, and that is that Iowa is only, what, two weeks away, less than two weeks away. And yeah. I, or, Exactly, yeah. So right now as it stands... I, have you put out a new poll? I was trying to see if you have a new Iowa poll yet. We have we have one coming out later this week. Uh, you know, our beginning of the month polls, and I'm beginning to think that uh, whatever you and I put out is going to be the only stuff out there. Yeah, we've noticed they're going to do it to us again, Robert. They're going to tr- do it to us again. Trend. The networks, the networks, and those big fancy newspapers, they're so brave in uh, November and December before a race, but I don't see many of them, I'm not saying all, show up when they have to really be pinned down to, well, are you right or are you wrong? And, and, they, and they'll um, keep putting out the national poll. That's what's so funny about it. They'll yeah. keep putting out the national poll. And what the hell does that national poll have to do with the price of tea in anywhere? I mean, it's ridiculous. It, it, uh, it means not. nothing. Uh, it it means almost talk, as little I, as I think... <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, when I when I give any of my uh, political talks, I always mention, you know, these 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 national polls. We do them, and they're stupid, but we do them because everybody's doing them. But we acknowledge they're stupid. Well, they are stupid, and um, I'm beginning to think the other thing that's just about as irrelevant is going to be the New Hampshire primary, because. Assuming for a moment that that the pundits and the pollsters are right and Trump does win Iowa, it maybe maybe he big win have a big win, Robert. It's possible he has huge win, but if he doesn't, then they'll start really taking the hair off him. If he does do well in Iowa, I think New Hampshire is stacked against him. What do you think? I think New Hampshire is stacked very much to be the most challenging contest he has. Um, one, because everybody's known for a long time Biden wasn't going to be there. Uh, before that October deadline, a lot of Democrats became independents so they could vote in the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. And all the independents will be voting in the Republican primary. 
Mm-hmm. And so you add all that together and you could end up with a bunch of non-Republicans deciding who the Republican nominee is or deciding who wins New Hampshire. Right. Uh, I think you can see that in the polling now already. And I think it's only going to get tighter uh, right now with Chris. I mean, now Christie's starting to kind of even move up a little bit. Right. I, right. Because <laughs> Nikki had a really rough week. And she did. Um, Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about that yeah. for a minute. How big a deal was it with her statement about the Civil War or lack thereof? You know, I, I think what she was doing was she is she, I mean, being Prince who was there and who watched this happen. Mm-hmm. There were people who had always been there, been for, for taking the flag out in front of the Capitol. A lot of folks. Mm-hmm. And there were people who had been against it for a long time. And she had never mentioned it. In fact, she had, had you know, said we should leave it alone. And I think it was the how quick she turned into caring about it so much is what turned off so many South Carolinians. Not that she took it down, because she didn't take it down. It took two-thirds of the legislature to take it down in right. actuality. Right. Um, but it was just the way, you know, with what people in South Carolina referred to as her crocodile tears and everything else. And it, it, it was the she took an issue that she really didn't, wasn't fired up about and made it her thing so mm-hmm. that she could advance herself. And kind of the hypocrisy of that is what I think was exposed. But why? OK, so why did she not talk about slavery? Was she trying to to avoid uh, upsetting the quote unquote good old boys? Yeah, I, I, I will accept her statement that that she thinks that, that that's a given. And when you start talking about the role of government and the role of government being to ensure freedom for freedoms, that right. would include the right not to be a slave. So I, I think that I think she was probably trying to say that, but mm-hmm. it, it shouldn't be awkward. It should yeah. it, it should roll <laughs> off your tongue a lot better. And the thing is, you aren't in the South, so you, and there's a stereotype about what Southerners believe about the war, and being sensitive about that means you start with slavery. Yep, absolutely. I don't. I, it, it was just. It sort of just was a, a hiccup in her campaign that was completely unnecessary. Now. Let's well, talk a little bit more. It, is, yeah. it, brought, it brought the tape forward, and the tape of what she said in 2010 in the interview with the um, pro-flag group, mm-hmm. where, where, where she was not about taking it down, demonstrates that when she, when she was running and needed their votes, she said one thing, and then all of a sudden she turned on a dime. And well, now, it, So following up on that, I believe Trump has a new nickname for Nikki. What's that? I think it's Nikki New Taxes, isn't that it? it has something to do with taxation. I, I just oh, I, I saw I, I, it. Look. I heard the super PAC. I heard the super PAC call it Tricky Nikki. Mm, maybe, but he's he's got a new nickname name for. Her. And you know, I look Iowa is going to be interesting because it it is as we've said before, like a like a high school election. I mean, everybody goes mm-hmm. into a room, and they talk, and I mean it's. It's maybe the way things should be done, but it certainly is very grassroots. Um, it and looked like peer the Sanus. Yeah, there is peer pressure. And that's what people, and, and pollsters can't capture that peer pressure either. 
I mean, you can't do it. There's no way. What are you going to? How, how are we going to really be able to capture what happens when they all get in there and start whomping up on each other, and your neighbor's mad at you or whatever? I, it just it's always a fickle thing. And I, I said this before that these caucuses. I went back and looked at all the ones I polled in the past, ones you polled, ones the networks have polled, if they poll, and um, almost always it's closer than people expect it to be. And that, that's, I think, the, the lingering um, issue for Trump. And he's started to say, well, you know, we can't overestimate these polls. They could be down if I, if I come in. If I come in a few points below, you know, he says they're, they're going to kill him and they're, gonna, they're going to uh, say he didn't meet expectations, which is entirely possible. Yeah, but, I'm beginning to believe he must listen to the podcast because this is literally what we were saying for three <laughs> weeks, and then all of a sudden I started hearing them talking about it. I'm like, hey, maybe they listen to it or somebody. Well, you know questions. what? He's got better things than to listen to us, but, but he probably wouldn't I, want to hear what I have to say <laughs> either. But he may have a team member listen. I know that people yeah. in every campaign are listening. Well, here's the thing. I mean, we talked about it last week. He's got a hell of an organization in Iowa that nobody really realized was out there. And he's got, a, he put out a list of pastors in Iowa. I mean, it went, you know, it was four or five pages long of their churches. So we talked about DeSantis at the beginning. So, well, we think DeSantis is going to do pretty well in Iowa because he's been out there for so long. He's well organized. But I think the media has basically just written him off, don't you think? I do. But I think when the media writes you off, it doesn't mean that you're not going to do well in Iowa. Right. Um, because if that were the case, it, it, there's, there's no way uh, that you would have seen Rick Santorum went out. So um, to my way of thinking, let's stay on this for just a minute longer. Do a little logic here. We both think New Hampshire, and I said this last week, I'm not even sure I'm going to poll it. I might, might not. I might should because I might not get to poll much thereafter if Trump just takes his thing and runs away with it. But to me, South Carolina, your home state, is where the rubber meets the road on the Republican side of the presidential election process. Explain to people who are listening how that works, when it takes place, how the delegates are rewarded. Because I think a lot of people just don't know that South Carolina has a unique system. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know that it's totally unique, but what is unique about it, and I think that those main point you're looking at is it, it it's always they take pride in being the first in the south because the, the south tend to kind of vote as a block and right they tend to be more like the rest of the south than certainly iowa or new hampshire is um and so what's happened traditionally is because uh, the republican primary is on a saturday it has and that's a, the unique part i was talking about go ahead it, it has a, a really uh a domino effect. And, and in some years, the Democrat primary is also been on a Saturday. Some years not. But what it generally happens, I mean, here's the thing, here's the statistic that matters. Since the South Carolina primary started in 1980, no one has ever gone to be president who lost it. Every mm-hmm. Democrat and every Republican won the South Carolina primary. It is the determining factor. Not not all of them. What's that? Tell me one president who lost it. Oh, a president. You're right. I was thinking when Newt won it and then went. No, every, everybody who's ever been elected president won their primary there. Right. I got you. Because Obama right. won it. Um, and 
you know, it's one of those things uh, that peop- people di- don't really understand the statistics involved. But I think in the, the Republican race, especially, uh, it looks like Nikki has the money to keep in the race. I mean, she's raised a bunch of money. So Nikki and Trump are probably going to make it to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And, and Christie. What happens if Christie performs well in New Hampshire? Does he get out anyway and help Nikki out in South Carolina, or does he keep staying in it? Well, you know, to hear him in that debate, he seems to have particular contempt for Haley saying she'd vote vote for Trump as the nominee, even if he was convict, convicted. Mm-hmm. And that seems, I mean, that seems to kind of be a real kind of rubber meets road difference between the two of them that he just thinks is from the way he talked about in the debate lots from the other crowd. So I don't know if he gets out or not, but right. And if he doesn't get out, that hurts. I'm not saying that Christie will do great in South Carolina. I don't think he will, but he's certainly not helping Nikki Haley by staying in and fighting for New Hampshire like he is. Right. Because he took a lot of never Trumpers who were with her and kind of convinced him that convinced them that they should be with him. We saw a migration of people who were most anti-Trump in our last poll move toward Christie away from Haley. And mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting. But what happens when we when this thing gets to South Carolina and Nikki Haley does poorly in her home state, and she probably will, it will shock people. Mm-hmm. Yep. It will shock them. Um, have you polled South Carolina recently? No, but we're, again, our first of the month is coming. So the right. last time we polled it, uh, Haley had definitely moved into second, but Trump had a significant lead. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a place where if a Trump voter tells me they're voting for Trump, I believe it. I mean, I would, I would pretty much, I, like I said, his numbers in most of these states, when you have more than you know two or three candidates on the ballot, he's always basically guaranteed about a 45 which the 45th president gets 45. He may go over it. He may go a little under it. But as long as they keep dividing things out, you know, he's going to be romping on to the nomination. Um, let me yeah, ask well, you And the way they do the delegates, I want to make sure I cover that. The way they do the yeah, delegates yeah. is... Oh, in South Carolina, sure. Yeah. You get half the delegates are for the, whoever wins the pop, whoever wins the plurality in the state. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the votes go plurality on who wins congressional district. For example, in 1992, Pat Buchanan won one congressional district in South Carolina and got delegates, mm-hmm. even though George Bush walked all over him. Um, so, you know, you, you can pick up a few delegates, but with a winner, winner take all on majorities, I mean, on pluralities, you could quite possibly see Trump roll out of there with every delegate. The one area that Nikki Haley might be strong in would be that first congressional district, right down near Charleston. Right, but and that but that would supersede that strength comes a lot of it comes when Democrats vote in the Republican primary, because mm-hmm. when Haley and uh, Mace got together on Mace's re reelection, uh, they got a lot of crossover vote. So mm-hmm. you you see less crossover vote during the during this primary than you would see in a regular general election. Okay, folks, seeing you're, you're learning from a true South Carolinian who knows what he's talking about. 
And, I've um, ever one of these since I was eight years old. So yeah, yeah. So I'm look. Believe me, when it comes to South Carolina, you're my expert. I polled it a lot. Uh, we used to own the Southern Political Report, and we had some of the great writers out of South Carolina when they retired and they left the newspaper up there. Uh, came to write for us. So I know a good deal about it, but I don't know anything like you do, Robert Kelly. So I'm going to, and I think that state is going to be so critical as to where Trump and others go beyond that. Now, one other question, then we'll go to another topic. Ron DeSantis, if Ron DeSantis performs poorly in Iowa, A, what do you think he will do? And B, if you were advising him, what would be your advice? And I'll give you my answer, but I want to hear yours first. If he does poorly in, in Iowa, I, in Iowa, yeah, I, I would. There's no way he can continue because what he's going to have is donors, the super PAC, wanting to redirect the money to somewhere else, yeah, and and it's going to be total chaos. I mean, the thing is, and what advice me, would you give him? Oh, I, I'd say get out now and endorse Trump, and and maybe maybe have a shot at having a, a, a chance to run with this nomination in 2028. Because right now that bridge is burned, but we all know. I mean, Kellyanne Conway used to run the super PAC against Trump and ended up running his campaign the same yep. year. So yep. he's very forgiving, and I, I could just see him getting back together, and yep. um, and they'd be stronger together. Well, he would certainly be, being uh, a native Georgian, but living in Florida for quite a while now. I can just tell you. He would do himself a lot of good, not just with the voters, because he doesn't run for reelection again, but with the legislators, um, if he were to do exactly what you just said, if he underperforms. Now, if he overperforms, then we got a whole new ballgame to look at. But and that's then you've got that, that really probably helps Trump because Trump needs uh, everybody to stay in as, as long as possible. Maybe not DeSantis, because, but, but somebody's going for DeSantis instead of Trump. What's Most that? of the Ramaswamy DeSantis voters will end up in the same camp. Well, we would think so. But, you know, there's a, there's a reason why they're not going for Trump. And you, you just don't know. I, I've not found, I've not done a lot of polling. I don't think you have. I don't think anybody We do second choice you. a lot. You do second choice? Oh, yeah. And what, what are you finding in second choice? Well, Trump voters will never tell you a second choice. That's the first thing. It's very frustrating. <laughs> they all say Trump again. Um, but the rest of them, um, yeah, they, they kind of break down in two lanes like I've been talking about. I mean, uh, you know, a, a voter for Christie says they'll, they'll get or Pence back when he was in it. I uh, said so they'd end up with um, with uh, Haley. Uh, right. Voters for Scott split kind of evenly between um, uh, uh Trump and Haley, and then um, DeSantis and uh, Ramaswamy, his voters definitely ended up with uh, Haley. Uh, almost all of the DeSantis voters did. Mm-hmm. Uh, with It was only like 10%, and about 20% of the Ramaswamy's went somewhere else or said they would, they would be a third party or something. Right. But, so. but, you know, the thing is, and this is why I think this makes sense for DeSantis, DeSantis can't, as much as he has, there's a mystique about him in Florida, and for him to get wiped out by Trump in Florida, I think would be unrecoverable. Mm, He can't let that happen. Unfortunately for him, uh, that has been polled, and it's a disaster. No, we know it's been polled. It hasn't happened yet. 
Yeah, I, well, I, I, I don't think I don't think that will. Um, I think that um, the one thing about this, I, I, I want the rest of the world to understand how Floridians are thinking. Uh, the um, DeSantis popularity among the public goes this way. We love him as our governor. We just don't love him as a presidential candidate right now. And if he ran for governor again, he'd probably get reelected again. I'm sure he would. Although I do think that there's been some erosion in the legislature and its support of him because last year, you know, he, he was hot stuff and he was calling the plays and telling everybody what to do, which most of the time most governors do anyway. But I know there is some resentment. Uh, I've heard it from legislators. And so, you know, this is not going to be it. He's going to have to either going to pull off a miracle in Iowa or he's going to have to learn how to be a little better in dealing with the average person here and the legislators here, because that's his bread and butter. And um, that's all I have to say about him. I think he, I think he is a better candidate than people gave him credit for. But uh, once again, happened to him just like it does all the time. They got the money, they spent all the money and they're out of dough right when they need it. And it just, it never fails to happen. Just (laughs) I'm always shocked that these candidates let these people get taught. And I'm not talking about any one group. Okay. I'm not, I don't even know who his consultants are right now, but they, they let everything be front loaded in terms of staff and events. And then they don't have any money for the backload when it comes to buying ads. And that even happened by the way to Trump and the 2020 presidential election. You know, they were having trouble finding the money to get TV commercials on in the 2020 November contest. And a lot of people don't know that. Now they found it, but they didn't have it. So, well, it and the other up. thing is, and another place that they had to cut a corner was on all the ballot integrity stuff. They didn't have the number of lawyers they needed. I mean, from right. what from what I understand, they were not near as ready as uh, Romney or McCain was. Um, no, no, it was it, it was just well. Anyway, now we understand that in twenty sixteen, but they weren't right. that, they weren't ready in twenty twenty. Right, and with, exactly. and Trump was kind of for, and I'm not sure that Trump ever knew they weren't ready because he was foreshadowing there would be problems. So he mm-hmm. certainly knew it was coming. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, it just everything started to fall apart at one time, and I think that's it's amazing the number of votes he got. To be honest with you, with the way that thing was going, but they they seem to have their act together a lot more. In a lot of areas this time, the Trump organization. I mean, this Iowa deal that they pulled off, if they really really pull it off with real live organization, I haven't seen that very often from Trump. And that means they're taking things seriously and they've got people who know what they're doing running things. So that's that's sort of my take on that. Let's talk real quickly about the the many articles that have run about the do nothing house. Now, how many times you, when Democrats were in control of the House, how many times did you see national uh, newspapers say that and call them a do nothing uh, Congress? No. Oh, no, never. They, they, would, never. they would never do that. Well, so to be fair to them, they have been a do nothing Congress. Um, they haven't passed a lot of legislation, um, but they have done one thing that you were talking to me about offline. And I think it's worth discussing. And that is the speaker managed to get that bunch of, of hurting the cats, so to speak, to tie the uh, border to the aid for the Ukraine, which the Senate so desperately wants to give again. And I think that's probably one of the better moves I've seen done 
by certainly by Republican Democrats are much better at it. Well, and, and they let him hold the line. I mean, that you know, it's one. These are great ideas, but he made them hold the line. And the fact is, we're seeing all. I mean, Chuck Schumer is talking about immigration reform. This yeah. is. I mean, we for the first time I think since the Republican took Congress, they Washington is focused on giving them what they want. Do Do you know what is a bad idea, Robert? What is impeachment? Impeachment. It's a bad idea. Well, this is what you and I've discussed. I love the fact that they'll dig into it, but I think when it's all said and done, they ought to just hold a press conference, release, say, we're going to give this evidence. Now that it's out there, we've gathered it with an impeachment inquiry. We've decided not to take a vote on impeachment because it's too close to the election and we have enough you know, a, a judicial involvement in our elections. And we're not going to, we're not going to do the same thing to the Democrat candidate that's being done for the Republican candidate. We're going to let the public decide. And so here's all the evidence. You do what you need to do. Well, and then the other dumb idea was actually a ruling in Colorado by their brilliant Supreme Court, uh, which is going to probably, I think, help Trump immeasurably, particularly in Iowa, um, because people who tend to support him or might not even have wanted to support him find it offensive that he can't have his name on a ballot because he, quote, engaged in an insurrection, which technically, as we've said before on this show, he, was not, he wasn't indicted for an insurrection. You know that um, uh, the prosecutor would love to hit him with insurrection if he could have done it, but he knew he didn't have it. So I, I, it just and boggles this, my this mind. Whole, this, there are so many ways the 14th Amendment is completely uh, misused and abused lately, and this is yet another one, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it really is. I mean, I, when Jesse Waters opened the show and listed the name of names of uh, uh, the numbers of all these Confederates that were – came back to Congress right? and and one of them ended ended up on the Supreme court. And I'm like, yeah. And he said, and these guys, none of them were convicted of insurrection and, and under this. So, so, (laughs) you know, it, it really, I mean, it, it really was something that was, I think they, the intent of much of the 14th amendment and it Mm -hmm. even, even as it relates to this birthright citizenship, right? That that's a misinterpretation. That was about that was about granting freedom to people who could not be born to parents because their parents were slaves, and that was important. Right. And that's what it was for. And that well, was a good. Well, I mean, I think I think we will. The Supreme Court will jump in on this one pretty quickly. This is not something they're going to let stand because it. Of course, that, that's a good and a bad thing for Trump because Trump has so many uh, instances where he's going to be relying on the Supreme Court to rescue it. And this is sort of a no-brainer. I would think this would, <laughs> wouldn't take very long. Uh, but when you get into things like presidential immunity um, during the period after the election and before uh, his inauguration, uh, Biden's inauguration, that is, that gets a little more tricky and I would think he needs the um, he needs the Supreme Court to be strong 
uh, on a bunch of instances, and they don't tend to do that. I mean, they tend to go one way on one and then one way another, and especially when you got Roberts, who just, just nobody knows. Well, the, I think but, it's going to be the something. best thing they can do is just stay out of it and mm-hmm. let the public decide. And I think that's, that that may be where their head is because a ruling to let him stay on the ballot is a ruling to let the public decide. So the way they could be consistent right. was not get involved in other stuff and let the public decide it and let yeah. the lower courts do their jobs and slow everything down. Okay, we're going to wrap up with what we always talk about. We won't have it much longer to talk about. Football, you went out to Dallas to watch your beloved Dallas Cowboys. How was that? That was uh, – we, we ended up taking a couple who – older couple in their 70s always wanted to go to the new stadium and it was a thrill for them it was a thrill for to watch them enjoy it the way they did uh to have um to have the the ring of honor ceremony uh for, for jimmy johnson oh yeah that was cool that was, was cool. was so special and there were a lot of tears in the room and um and it was i say the room you know hundred thousand yes yeah. in the house right yeah yeah, but I mean, it, it, and to see just uh, to see Jimmy John, I mean Jerry Jones, be so kind and deferential to him, and how nasty those two had been with each other. Right. I, I, people love kind of when people come back together after a feud, and so right. that meant a lot to show that. I thought it was big of Jerry Jones to get out there on the field and be so magnanimous. Um, but but and when they. It, the crazy play. I mean, the crazy two point conversion at the end of the game. Right. And the funny thing is, you know, Detroit thought they were they were going to be third seed no matter what happened. Right. So why not? Why not just go for the win? Because even if you lose, it won't matter. As it turns out, nobody expected Philly to lose to Arizona, and it did matter. Yes, it certainly changed everything. Um, by the way, and now my, the Cowboys have a chance to have a to to be the division champions to have a home playoff game to start, and I am ecstatic. Well, my Buccaneers, who have not had a great season, but they've done all right. They fell apart this weekend, but they are still seventy-seven percent likelihood of winning the pitiful NFC South, which uh, it will be a lot of fun. But what I'm really, really wanting to talk about for just a second is the massive shellacking the University of Georgia Bulldogs gave FSU in the Orange Bowl, the largest victory in the history of bowls. And do you know who, who held that record before that, Robert? I believe so. I beat Clemson that bad. It was Georgia. Georgia against TCU. And they beat them almost as bad oh, last as they did. Yeah, I mean – so it well, gets you know, the FSU players are saying they sat out um, and all this stuff. But, you know, the thing is, it, it is easy to say all that and to do all that when you think you're going to lose. Right. But, but that's kind of insane. It's like, you know, us saying, well, the people in Iowa don't really vote the way we say, so we're just going to put out crazy numbers and, and right. don't don't judge us on that. Right. I mean, exactly. the hit, there won't be an asterisk in the history book says for who played and who didn't. You know what's There's funny? There's no question Georgia deserved that final game. And it, this college football thing has been a roller coaster. And it, it, it's been so frustrating. And, you know, it's kind of the nature of roller coasters. One minute you're excited and one minute you're just mad. 
Well, I think the matchup for the national championship is a joke. I can see Michigan-Washington. Come on. I mean, I think it's a joke, but it is what it is. I certainly wow. won't be thrilled watching it. Um, I, do mis- I do think Michigan has a damn good team. No doubt about yeah. that. But, you know, I'll end it with this, Robert. You and I, as pollsters, get judged, criticized, whatever, more than these morons who choose the college football playoffs. Think about that. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue and commercials and this and that. And we're just a couple of pollsters. But I haven't heard it. But we don't know. We, we really don't know who in, who in the hell or how in the hell they did the decision making in the first place. Well, and the thing is, I, I think that there won't, there won't be any debate on who the top eight teams are. That's right. And I think it'll be a lot better in the future. And so, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, so, uh, so, they, well, they keep monkeying around with college football over and over and over again. That, that was a BCS or whatever. Boy, that was a crocker. You know what? So maybe we'll, when we get to eight teams, we'll get things where they're a little more uh, normal, a little more, a little fair, more fair, fairer, so to speak. It gives me, um, comp- it gives me confidence that in the end, uh, the, the, the roller coaster is going to be something that's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we talked about roller coasters to start with, and that's this year. It's going to be a roller coaster. We are going to be producing later this week and going next week uh, with a special set of polling, uh, tracking polling that both Insider Advantage and Trafalgar are going to do together in Iowa. We'll see how that works out. And um, we'll certainly be back with you with another edition of Polling Plus. So keep listening. And for Robert Tahaley, I'm Matt Towery. Have a great week.